So today I want to wrap up uh, the series I started on walking the supernatural. Uh, I talked, I defined supernatural in, in in the last two Sundays, and uh, I I don't know, I, I kind of helped us to understand how we get into walking in the supernatural. You know what what brings in the supernatural into our lives. That is um, the new birth. So the supernatural in the life of every person with respect to uh with god the power of god the power of the holy ghost you know walking with the lord christ jesus is activated or is ushered into our lives via the new birth so until a person is born again they can have the right to overcome the power of darkness until the person is born again they cannot receive the right to be led by the spirit of god until a person is born again, they cannot demonstrate the power of God. Amen. So there's so much loaded in, uh, there's so much, there, there's so much to being born again than just a, a, a Christian symbol. You know, people say things like, are you born again? Say, I'm born again. Where did you give your life to Christ? Ah, four, four years ago. It, it doesn't end there. Now, to be born again, the day you give your life to Christ, that is a starting point of your journey as a believer. I repeat, we don't give our life to Christ and it ends there. When we give our life to Christ, that marks the journey of our Christian life. It marks the journey of getting into and maturing into identity in Christ. And it's one of the reasons why I believe Jesus did not ask us to go and make converts. He asked us to go and raise disciples. He asks us to raise disciplined followers of Jesus. He asks us to go and raise students, people who will commit their life to following Jesus. He asks us to train ourselves, develop ourselves, grow in the faith so that we can be a blessing to other people. Amen. So, excuse me, please. Uh, please, can you turn the phone? Off, yeah, off, yeah. So, Jesus called us to raise disciples, not to make converts. Amen. So, if a person gives their life to Christ and they think that's it, no, it hasn't ended. And can I, it, it, it doesn't end there. And can I say something to evangelists? People who believe that they are called to evangelize, to win souls. You know, I was, I saw a guy's uh, post on Facebook. It's one of this guy, one of my, you know, Facebook friends. You know, when I say Facebook friends, I'm not, so it means that they are Facebook friends. They are not review friends, right? Facebook friends, right? And um, he's doing a fantastic job. He evangelizes and, and I like his passion. I admire his passion and I try to kind of like draw his attention to the fact that, you know, it's not all about evangelism. It's also about the people maturing and growing in Christ. You see, the misbehavior and the, I'm thinking of very nice word today. I want to be spiritual again today. Uh, last week I was very spiritual. I was very nice. Today too, I want to be very spiritual. The, the misbehavior and the immaturity that we see in the body of Christ today among people who have actually given their life to Christ, it's an evidence of the fact that people are not being discipled. I mean, people are not being discipled. So people need to be discipled. People need to be trained. People need to be guided. You know, one of this pop star that will give his life to Christ recently, not too long ago, and it was all over the news. And, um, you know, was running concerts, Sunday service and stuff like that. It's sad. I have a few pastors that I knew invited them into his church. And I don't think they had this conversation with him about being discipled by someone. 
I don't want to go there because that's going to get me upset a little bit. Amen. So if a pop star, if a politician, if any celebrity gives, gives their life to Christ, don't use them as a show to make the world see that Christianity is real. No. Because giving their life to Christ is just a starting point. You know, when I was med- meditating on the world, it was like yesterday night or this morning, yeah, I, I've, been, I've been doing this meditation for some time now. You know, the, the Bible tells people that they should not give themselves to evil desires. So the Bible is telling us that even though you are a Christian and you are born again, you will still have evil desires. And it's your responsibility not to yield yourself to those evil desires. You, did you miss that? No. The Bible tells us on, on several locations, go to Ephesians, go to Colossians, go to... Yeah, Ephesians and Colossians is a lot about that. You know, that you don't give yourself to these evil desires. Because, and the Bible also tells us to mortify, to crucify our members. I mean, those members of, when it's say members, it's talking about the habit, the attitude, the mindset that we inherited from the, uh, from the unsaved nature of us that we laid down, that we let go the day, the day we give a life to Christ. That's, that sounds too, too, too prophetic, too, um, uh, to <laughs> to advance let me try to simplify it so what the thing is this before we give our life to christ right there are some practices that were ungodly that we kind of learned as a result of our spiritual condition at that time right so we just have desires for evil things do stupid things you know revenge being unkind they came as a result of our our spiritual condition at that time and we've trained our mind to think that way and we've trained our bodies to act in those ungodly ways and after we give our life to christ now the spiritual condition has been changed but the way but that way of thinking still remains there so the bible then recommends us that now that we are born again we need to recondition our mind because we are no longer the same people spiritually anymore because we are now born again amen you might say where am i going here i'm giving someone a word of knowledge you know if you have been with us for a while you know that uh this is uh this is a norm for sunday you know i have a topic i have a message but god is speaking to some people i finish speaking to them as the lord leads me then i carry on my message amen and that's why sometimes you, you see me begging the holy spirit, holy spirit but look at my notes like you know <laughs> amen so what are we saying there the lord is calling someone's attention to the fact that the fact you are born again does not mean that you have reached the apex does not mean that that is all does not mean that you don't need to be trained does not mean that you don't need to walk with people to be born again is a starting point of your journey and i was trying to tie this to the fact that the born again ushers the supernatural into our lives and it is mature people who know how to walk in the supernatural, who know how to demonstrate the power of God. And God wants each and every one of us to mature so that we can walk in the supernatural. Amen. So today I'm going to be talking about the evidence. I'm going to be sharing some evidence of the supernatural. Evidence of supernatural. Uh, a four point I have here: healing the sick is an evidence of the supernatural in our lives. You know, when you pray for someone, you lay hands on them. And they recover is an evidence of the supernatural because there's nothing in your physical hand that actually went into their body. There's nothing in your physical hand that 
came in contact with the person's body and healed them. And when we pray for people to receive healing and they, and they get healed, it's an evidence of the supernatural because you're just speaking just in a sense, you're speaking just words. And this may thinking um, like, this may speaking like a, an unsaved person would think. They're like, wait, 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 wait. You just spoke words. I mean, you just said something and the person is healed. So that should tell you that as believers, we should not be casual or careless in the way we speak because we are not ordinary human beings. We are supernatural entities. Amen. So, healing the sick is an evidence of the supernatural because you pray or you lay hands on someone and you pray for them and they receive healing. I mean, you didn't give them uh, uh, a medication to use and the chemicals go into their body and and work with their cells and organs and tissues and uh, you know that, that didn't happen you only spoke word lay hands on them and something happened so healing the sick is evidence of working the supernatural so if in 2022 and beyond you want to walk in the supernatural you should be ready to heal the sick to pray for people to receive healing Amen. Deliverance is also working in the supernatural, you know, and deliverance from all manner of stuff, either demonic operations or deliverance from addictions and all kind of stuff. And we saw Jesus Christ in his ministry on his early, during his early ministry. The Bible says at some point that while he was in the synagogue and teaching the, and preaching the gospel, that demons were coming out of people. So when you speak the word of God, when you teach people the word of God, or when you pray for people for deliverance, you know, and the powers of darkness leave them, I mean, that is another evidence of walking the supernatural. So in 2022 and beyond, every believer, every Christian should be ready and willing to help people come out of darkness to be delivered from the things that hold them in captive. Amen. Raising the dead is also an evidence of the supernatural. Uh... How many people can raise the dead? You know, when you talk about somebody dead, I mean, they're dead. They stop breathing. They are dead. Their body is just there. Amen. And this is to tell you that, you know, Christianity is not a religion. It's not something that we do. It is real. You know, somebody is lifeless. A body is lifeless. And somebody else walks in and commands that spirit that they cannot see with their two eyes and say, come back into your body. Uh, just give me the formula of how to raise the dead. You know, people will say, when people want to raise the dead, they will say, uh, I'm going to show you, I have scriptures to show us. We're going to have a fantastic journey this morning. I just thought I should quickly highlight this point and then we get into the word of God. We get into uh, some scriptural references to uh, describe them or to, to see them. You know, uh, if you look at how Paul, Peter, and Jesus raised the dead, Peter, Peter said, Tabitha, arise. I like that. <laughs> Jesus said in the book of uh, Luke, uh, John, right? He said, Lazarus, come forth. Right? Command, command the body. Command the spirit back, the spirit back into the body. That's how you raise the dead. You don't go to God, Lord, ha, raise the dead. Oh, Lord, raise this person. I don't think we know how much authority and power God has given to us as believers. I don't think we know. You know, many of us have been religiously brainwashed. So we see ourselves as helpless entities uh, because of what religion has taught us. Religion taught us to do 7, 10, 15, 20 things for God to bless us or to go and fast for 40 days so that we can get power. Those things are crap. Now, fasting, because when I, when I, when I touch something, sometimes I need to clarify it. 
Oh Lord Jesus, help me. I, I keep I keep getting myself in conditions that I should not. Right. So fasting does not increase your power. Mm-hmm. Hello. Fasting does not increase your power. Fasting does not give you more power. I repeat, fasting does not give you more power. Fasting does not amplify power in one heavenly or spiritual realm and give to you. So when you fast, you are yielding yourself to the power of God already at work in you. The book of Ephesians 1.19 tells us that Paul praying for the Ephesians church. I was praying that their eyes of understanding may be enlightened, that they may know the power of God that is available to them and is at work in them. Ephesians 3.20 says, Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us. So the power of God is at work in you. The only difference of in manifestation of the power of God in the life of a believer is the level of consciousness of that particular believer or all believers about the power of God at work in them. The level of consciousness they carry, the level of revelation knowledge of God they carry about the power of God at work in them. The level at which they can by faith yield to the power of God at work in them. Now, fasting helps you to deaden your flesh, to take your eyes off carnal ungodly things and to and to single your focus on the word of God, on the power of God at work on the inside of you. But fasting is not what makes you more powerful. So as the people are fasting in in January, as the custom of many churches are, right? I want to tell you, fasting will not increase your power. Fasting will not make heaven download the power on you. And people have to be very careful when they are fasting and they are praying for all manner of power because you can yield to demonic spirit. Demonic spirit are powerful whether you want to accept or not. They have power. I want to talk about power here. I'm talking about ability. I'm not trying to scare you. Demonic spirit have power. They have ability to destroy Right, and that's why I tell people don't be conscious of demonic forces, don't snip around for demons because if you are conscious of them, they will have access into your mind and to manipulate you. So, as you are fasting this January, don't fast for power, rather, fast to know what God has given to you in Christ Jesus. Like I said earlier on, the revelation understanding you have about the power of God given to you already according to Ephesians 1.19, the revelation understanding of that power that you have makes the difference. Your willingness to use that power makes a difference and your choosing to use that power makes the difference. And that's why you see some believers fast for one or two days and they seem to be making things happen more than some people who have done gone on 40, 60 days fasting of pray and prayer. I know people, I know Christians who can fast for many days. And sometimes I don't fast. Sometimes I'm even still tired. Wake up in the morning and they are dealing with some kind of demonic operations. This is why we fasting 40 days. Ah, Pastor Tunde, Pastor Tunde, you know, you are the anointed man of God. It's, it's not about any anointing. See, God did not give me something he has not given you when it comes in with respect to power. There's nothing I have of myself that every believer don't have. What I have as a pastor is more responsibility to train and develop people so that they can do the works of service. With respect to the power of God, I have equal access to the power of God like every believer does. 
and that's why i may be tired on some days and i'm and i'm not able to pray and i'll get somebody in the church to pray for somebody else on the situation and we have the same result as i have god is speaking to people this morning now in 2022 this is the year for people to begin to reason like i said last week start thinking and start understanding the identity in christ jesus what god has given to them this is not the year whereby you continue to go look for a prophet a man of god to pray over you so that god can hear your prayer those things are crap they are ungodly they are unscriptural amen they may they misrepresent god and how do they represent God? They present God as if God is partial and has allocated his power and authority to a selected few. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 down to 14. There you find the assignment of prophets, pastors, apostles, evangelists, teachers. Our assignment is to train people, to raise people so that they can do the works of the ministry. So technically, who are the people who should be, do, be doing most of the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, casting out devils? It is believers, people who are not in the fivefold ministry because we are called to lead, to train people so that they can do. So what we have today in the Christian world, whereby pastors and the other fivefold ministry guys, or the fourfold now, because everything is fivefold, right? where they are put on a pedestal and people are worshiping them is unscriptural is ungodly the laziness in many christians have made them to yield themselves to false and manipulative authorities or spiritual figures and because many christians don't know that it's their own place to do the work now some people are already feeling uncomfortable because i'm saying that you are the one who will do most of the work Christianity is not a place to abandon your responsibility or to avoid or abdicate abdicate your responsibility as a child of God. Every child of God has a responsibility. Christianity is not a place to come and live a frivolous lifestyle and to coast through life. Friends, we are in, we are in some serious battles here. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the kind of battle where you're looking to fight demons. The kingdom of darkness want people to go to hell to be destroyed, not to experience the love of God at all. And God is empowering you and has empowered you to go in his place to represent Christ. As, as the Bible says that we are members of the body of Christ. Amen. So that's another word of knowledge for somebody else. So, believers, this 2022, you got to grow. You got to know what is available to you. You got to know the power to walk on the inside of you. Amen. Because God wants you to walk in your position. Like I said, excuse me. Like I said a few weeks ago, that the supernatural is the spiritual position of every believer. And no believer should try to function as a believer in a realm other than the supernatural, the spiritual. The believer should not walk by sight, should not do things by their own strength. I'm not saying they should be lazy and not do and not take responsibility. But they are everything we do, we are supposed to be dependent on God, believing in God. Amen. So another evidence of, of the supernatural is protection. Amen. Protection. I think we let's start with that one. Then I go into scriptural reference for the first three. And then we get in, and then I'm going to wrap up. Amen. Protection. Let's go to Acts chapter 28. Acts 28, 1 to 10. I'm going to read a little bit fast this morning. Are we ready? Acts 28, 1 to 10. Your running shoes up. Come on, let's go. Now, when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Melita. Uh, sorry, Malta. Why did... 
All right, so I'm reading the Nick King James version. Let's get it. Let's get this. So you can see that the word of God is already in my mind. And um, okay, but like, let me let me let me read from the version in the Bible. I'm reading, not in the version in my spirit. Amen. <laughs> my wife is laughing at me. <laughs> so now, when the others came, they found out that the island was called Malta. So this land, highland, what you, what you know as Malta today is this island we're talking about there. And the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. Because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, that's a snake, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging around his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook up the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Please, I like that uh, verse 5 and 6. I'm going to come back there shortly. So they were expecting Paul to fall down dead um, and fall down dead. Now, but after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. People can be fickle, innit? In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid hands on him and on him and healed him. So when he was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, that they provided such things as were necessary. The account here was, you know, Paul. No, no, fine. Thank you. Babe. The account here was 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 of Paul. You know, when he was gathering sticks because of the heat, you know, there was a lot of story behind that. You can read that later on because this guy was was uh, I think was being transported to is it Jerusalem for sorry Rome to Rome for uh, judgment because he was preaching the gospel. There's so many issues that this guy was going through at that point in time. Yeah. So you can read more of the story of that one later on. Amen. So what happened here? Let's look about that's verse 5 and 6. It said, But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. So now, don't forget, the Bible, okay, the Bible tells it here in verse 6 that, however, that the people were expecting it would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. So it means that anyone who had that experience that Paul had usually swell up and die. But what did Paul do? He shook off the snake from his hand and nothing hurt him. He shook off the snake, the, the viper from his hand and nothing hurt him. And he even went ahead and when he got to, you know, the, what's, or how, how they put it here? When he got to the leading citizen of that highland, you know, he, he, he prayed for, let me start, let's read this, let me go. Uh, he, prayed, he prayed for us, this guy's name is Publius, right? And it happened that 
uh, verse 8 says, and it happened that the father of Publius, yeah, the guy's name is Publius. So I'm just gonna stick to Publius because that little citizen is just too long for me. Amen. So in that same island, he prayed, he prayed for Publius, uh, Publius' father who had dysentery, and he prayed for other people who had some sickness and diseases. That was the man who was meant to die because a viper, because he sustained, you know, he was beaten by a viper. Amen. So talking about walking the supernatural, an evidence of walking the supernatural is protection. So when people are seeing all manner of stuff, you know, they may come up with another 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 strain of coronavirus, right? They, some people are already thinking of how to come up with another name already, whether you like it or not. Many of these things you hear, some people are walking behind the scenes. I'm not saying some of them are not real, but you'll be shocked when we get to heaven and God opened our eyes to see the evil going on. How some people are making money off coronavirus. You know, YouTube or Facebook might choose to censor me on this one, right? But I'm telling you the truth. Amen. I'm not saying you should not take your job. I took first job. They're still chasing me to take second job. I'm saying, how dare you cancel my second appointment? You think I have time to be looking for a vaccination center all around? Nonsense. Right. I get to me. So a lot of things are going on behind this in politics. Things are happening. You know, I've seen hard data, hard data of how how politicians are influencing or manipulating the healthcare system in the US. I mean, I've seen no manner of stuff. Right. So if they come up with another strain, even if the strain is affecting some people, right? Whether people chemically weaponize it or something or some mutation, as they say, you know, wicked people. For you and I as believers, we don't have any business to be afraid. Because as entities who carry the power of God, right? We can shake off coronavirus. We can shake off anything. And that is why when I was speaking earlier on, I was talking about understanding the power at work in us fasting will help you to understand to see much more of the power at work on the inside of you so that you can use it but fasting is not what will drive away demons i've never seen where fasting drove away demons demons respect and obey the name of jesus demons respond to authority so some people they'll go for some fasting thinking some demons will leave them you know what is demons will do they will hibernate they will just go still and quiet to make you think that they are done, that they are gone. Or when somebody lay hands on the person, when the man of God, you know, they manifest and they go still on the floor and they say the demon is gone. No, the demon is still hiding. He's just waiting. Let us come out of here. In three months' time, I will manifest again. So you are back here again and just make people's life miserable. So I can call out so many things that are hindering the growth of believers that people need to wake up to deal with. People need to become disciples. People need to become mature in the faith. Know how to stand their ground in their right in the name of Jesus and do what God has called them to do. See, life is not a dress rehearsal. I mean, we, we can't keep playing, playing ourselves and just playing, with, you know, just playing around and just coasting and hiding under one kind of name or brand. Christianity is a real deal. Amen. So, in 2022 and beyond, the believer must walk in the supernatural. You must know that the power of God is at work on the inside of you. You must develop the confidence and the faith to shake up vipers and serpents and all kind of virus that may want to attach themselves to you. You know, there is a clear difference between the believer and the unbeliever. The unbeliever may die of sickness and disease, right? But the believer has the right. I repeat, not that they will use it, not that they know it. But I'm telling you, the believer has a right 
to cast out devils, to deal with unclean spirits, to deal with viruses. Amen. My wife had um, fever on um, was it on on Wednesday. We came back, kind of from on we, we, we went. I walk, I went on a walk trip and we came back and she, all of a sudden she started shivering and blah blah blah. I'm like, I got no time for this. I was so tired because I've been driving for long. And I spoke to the fever, you know, to keep her warm, just look after her. And um, I, well, I didn't sleep until she slept off, right? And my mind, where I'm going is this: my mind wasn't thinking any kind of coronavirus and kind of. Mm -mm. You know, people say you can get tested. I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to test that for the sake of testing. But my wife, we not have coronavirus. I'm not trying to speak negatively of anyone who've had it, but it's just my own territory. Don't forget, I said last week that the fact that a believer has, is infected with something doesn't mean that they are sin or stuff like that. But even if it was corona in the first place, I use my own right to say, you are not staying here. And the following day, my mind will want to be like, okay, what do you think? I, I'm not thinking anything. She's going to sleep shortly. And once she sleeps off, me too, I'll sleep. And when I started hearing her sleep around 3 a.m., I slept. Praise the Lord. I was expecting her to be back to work latest the two, in two days. And she was back to work. Praise the Lord. There's so much going on in my life. My wife cannot be now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I get to me. So in 2022, you got to be crazy. You got to be a crazy Christian. You got to be bold and courageous friends i'm trying to say that believers we are not the same we are not the same as people of the world we are spiritual entities we are not just ordinary human beings so that's why we have to stop seeing christianity as we come into this world where we give our life to christ so that god can bless us god can prosper us i have a car friends do you know it is insulting for a believer to go and give testimony that he bought a car it's insulting for a believer to go and give testimony that they bought a house or mortgage so I'm trying to like to know what did you get yourself into? No, of the big and each things that God wants to do to manifest through Christ Jesus, what we are testifying about is I bought a car. Lord, thank you. I got a job. Let me not get into that job thing. I repeat, whatever the unbeliever can get without praying or fasting. I'm not going to testify about it. For everything God has given me, I thank God for it. And I look back to where I was about 10 years ago. I look at where I am now. And I really, I'm really grateful to God. Right? So I'm not saying you should not be grateful to God. But to go and stand on the platform of the church and give a testimony to the congregation that you bought a car is an insult. What car did you buy? You bought a uh, Mercedes-Benz. Benz. When the unsaved are buying is jelly. Bentley, Rolls Royce. I don't understand. How, with all due respect, how poor is your God? Like, well, the best he can give you is Mercedes. When some people are buying GLE, G-Wagon. I, I don't understand. Friends, what I'm trying to say is this. There's so much about the Christian faith. There's a lot in the Christian faith. We're talking about power. We're talking about destinies. We're talking about the kingdom of God being manifested on earth. Friends, there's more beyond what we can see on the exterior. We are spiritual entities who carry the power of God. We carry the life of God on the inside of us. And we need to begin to wake up to see the reality of what the Christian faith really, what really entails and what we should be living for. Paul did not have the Cadillacs and things that we have. And it was one of the greatest men of faith on earth that walked the surface of the earth. 
successful as a Christian we're not having all in any of your Cadillac and everything else. So because the Christian faith is not about the material possessions you have or you, you and I can get. And that's why we have covetous Christians today because they think the level of their spirituality, and I know a ministry very well, not even one, a number of them, who will define or describe your spirituality, your spiritual success by how much material possessions you have. That is cream. I'm looking for a very nice, today's my spiritual Sunday. See, that is incriminating. That is a criminal, spiritual criminal offense. That is one of the most relegation of God of the highest order that I've seen. Because you bought a house, because you have a university, I'm getting there now. Because you did something that an unbeliever can do, you now see that or define that as you are spiritual. Are we okay? Are we thinking right? So if anyone listening to me or watching me is not trying to define their spiritual success by achieving some material position, some natural accomplishment like some other people, if that's what you are looking at, you are setting up yourself for failure. Amen. Amen. I repeat, if the unbeliever can get it without acknowledging God, there's something the Holy Spirit has been telling me that you say, the one of the reasons why, and this is what it's asking me to say, <clears throat> so I didn't finish that statement because I gotta say this one. One of the reasons why many believers cannot witness the gospel to the unsaved is because what they want to use to entice them into the faith the people already have. So many believers want to go out there and witness to unbelievers. To come to Christ on the basis that on the basis that they have a good job, because they have a house, because they have a nice car, or because they are married. And the person you are speaking to have all of those things, even better ones than they have. So they know they look so on that basis, they don't have a, a front or a basis to win the person to Christ. With all due respect, is the reason why in some parts of Africa. Most people in church there are poor people and they're still going to church because of what they want to get. They are still going to church because of something they want to get from God. And that is why many of such, once they get what they are looking for, they no longer have any commitment to Christ. Or they begin to, um, they begin to abuse Christianity because what they think Christianity is, is about the material positions you can get. And many of them, if they are able to get some some material possessions by crook, by crookery, right, then they introduce such crookery to other Christians in the church. And that's why you can see covetousness grow in the church. Friends, I'm calling them some deep stuff this morning. And we need to know these things so that we can know what how to adjust. And as we go out to reach out to people, we can teach people right we should never go out and witness to people on the basis of what they can get from God. It's not right. Jesus came to die for us, not so that we can have earthly things, but so that we can be restored to the Father. We can be restored as a friend of God. We can be restored to the Father as a child of God. We can have full access to the Father. Jesus came to give us eternal life. Friends, Christianity is not about your job, your social status, whatever you have. No, these things perish on earth. Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter, uh, chapter 9 very quickly. I hope you got the message. Holy Spirit just give you there. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36. 
So I was talking about raising the dead, raising the dead, right? So 36 says, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple. Did you hear that? Disciple, disciplined follower of Christ, a student of Christ. If a follower, a follower of Christ. So it's not a one-off thing. They didn't give their life to Christ, and that's it. Amen. Which is, and so I'll take it again. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Docas. This woman was full of good works and charitable and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days. Did I call out the scripture? Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 42. Acts 9, 36 to 42. So verse 37 says, But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Leda was near Joppa, and disciples had, had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by, by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And evidence of walking in the supernatural is raising the dead. Inside of you, not inside of men of God, inside of all believers, is all the power you need to raise the dead, to call the dead back into their body, to call spirit back into their body. Amen. I repeat. The authority to do this is not restricted to five-word ministry. Five-word ministries mean pastors, prophets, preachers, evangelists, apostles. We are called to train people in the word of God, to empower them, to equip them to do what God is calling them to do. And the five-word ministry are not as many as the, as the many people who have given their life to Christ. So... The, the work of Christ will be so limited if it's limited to the fivefold ministry because Jesus only gave that gift and that assignment, the responsibility to a few people. But we need to kind of like put all of this in you guys so that you can go out and do what God has called you to do and the gospel can grow. So for people to wait or to see the, or to wait for their pastor to do the works of service in the ministry, they are not waiting right. And they're not looking in the right direction. To expect your pastor to be the one to do the admin, to do everything, to do everything. You're not, you're not, we, we're not thinking right. We're not thinking right. Amen. Acts 16. Acts 16, 16. The Bible says here, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave, so this is deliverance, a certain slave girl, Possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought our masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, Paul did not say, in my name, come out. So, it's not about one prophet, one man of God. No. It's about Jesus living inside of you. It's about Jesus living on the inside of me. The exploit we do in the Christian faith, 
It's not because of our title. It's not because of our position. It's not because of any accomplishment or any good works we've done. It's because of what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. It's because of Jesus who lives on the inside of all. If you look at the apostles, if you look at the early church, every exploit, every miracle, everything that was done was done in the name of Jesus. So no believer should see themselves as not good enough. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 14 uh, to 17, you can read the, uh, the Passion Translation. So God has not given us a spirit that, that, should, that, will, that will make us or should make us feel we are not good enough. He has given us a spirit that testifies that we are children of God. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. We have the same access and I mean access right to all that Jesus has. The authority over unclean spirits. We do have it. Amen. And we should realize this thing and walk in the reality of it and demonstrate it. Take steps. Do it. Heal the sick person. Pray for someone and expect them to be healed. Keep practicing it. Keep believing and you see that your, your faith will keep growing. Amen. Amen. Lastly, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. A few things I want to call out here. So I'll, I'll quickly read to verse eight, but I want to I'll call out some specific verses. Um, so the Bible says, "I said now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the night hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, when they laid, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful." to ask alms from those who enter the temple who seen peter and john about to go into the temple ask for alms and fixing his eyes on him with john peter said look at us so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them then peter said silver and gold i do not have oh oh praise the lord Amen. some people think christianity is about having silver and gold <laughs> but one guy said here uh, oh lord jesus help me not help me not to get into this some guy said here it's a silver and gold i do not have wow. mm. silver and gold verse six i do not have but what does peter have but what i have i give you <laughs> but what i have i give you some people think christianity is about having silver and gold it's rubbish it's a lie what you have as a child of god is this it said in the name of jesus christ of nazareth you have right to the use of the name of jesus the power of jesus that is encoded embedded in his name has been given to you the right to use it has been given to you that is what you've got amen is that in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk silver and gold i do not have so in today's 21st century christian in a, in a pentecostal they would have considered peter a failure he's a failure you know he was poor you know there's no sign of spiritual or success in his life because he does not have silver and gold that is a nonsense hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah this is nonsense the Christian faith is not about what you can get. Amen. The Christian faith is not about what you can get, the material positions you can get. No. So what I do have, I give to you. There, I have the right to the use of the name of Jesus to heal the sick. 
I have the right to use the name of Jesus to, to raise the dead. I have the right to the use of the name of Jesus to cast deliverance, to cast out devils. Jesus said in the book of Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, he said, and these signs will accompany them that believe. Who believe what? In his name. He said, in my name, they will cast out devils. Amen. Amen. People who believe in Jesus Christ that he died for their sin and was raised from the dead for their justification. People who believe, he said, in my name. He did not say to the pastors, to the apostles, to the prophets, to the teachers, to the evangelists. He said, anyone who believes in my name. So if you are not seeing yourself walking in the supernatural, then you need to check yourself. Do you actually believe or what do you believe? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a child of God? Bold, you know, confident that God is your father. God is, God is for you. God is not against you. How do you see yourself? What do you think you have? Who do you think you are? Not in an insulting way, but who do you think you are? I am a child of God. So if you have been defining yourself as a politician, as a pastor, or the pastor of the biggest church, or you're the business analyst, or the project manager, or the program, no, no, that's not your identity as a believer. You are a child of God, and there's so much loaded in your identity as a child of God, and we need to realize this. Amen. Peter said, what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Amen. Verse 8 says, so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping and praising God. Let me just verse, jump to verse 11. It says, Now as the, lame, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Huh? Did you hear that? So when the sick is healed, or a lame walks and people start fainting in crusades. Something is not right with attitude. So Paul is saying here that, uh, sorry, uh, Peter is saying here that the supernatural is bread and butter of the believer. Now, we should be grateful to God for the healings, the signs and miracles that happen in our midst. But that should not make us feel we are inferior to some people. No. Signs and wonders in our Christian means should not make us feel inferior to some people. It should make us grateful to God that indeed His power to heal, to deliver exists. Because when we are fickle in our thinking about this kind of signs and wonders, then we can be easily tricked by magicians, diabolic people, witches and wizards. So we got to be careful. If I, see some, if I see a limb healed, I'll thank God for that. But it doesn't make me to start thinking of that man of God. Ah, this man is a holy man of God. Ah, this man, I, know I, want, I need to go, him, go to him to heal me. I know there's so much loaded in this, which I'm, which I'm not covering. I will not be able to cover here, but in weeks to come, I'm gonna be, um, I'm gonna be expanding on them. Now, so where my verse eleven, right? So, so verse twelve, nice. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this, or why, why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Now re rewind back to 
excuse me, what I said about the power of God that's work on the inside of us, that it has nothing to do with you. It's all about what Jesus has done. And your own part to play is to believe. Amen. So Peter is saying that your fasting, your own power, your own godliness can never be sufficient to heal anyone or deliver anyone from the power of darkness. So fast 60 or 70 days. So to fast 60, 70, 100 days, believing that you will not have the power to do the works of God is pride and arrogance. And it is disrespectful to God to think that by your own power and your own holiness, that your power, your holiness, your fasting, your prayer is what qualifies you to be able to heal the sick and raise the dead. It's disrespectful and insulting to God and what is done for us in Christ Jesus. Very disrespectful. You must be very rude. You must be very disrespectful to think that your power and your fasting is what makes you powerful to heal the sick. Very disrespectful. <laughs> Amen. But listen to what Peter said. He said, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered. And he went on preaching the gospel. And verse 16, he says, And his name, hello, and his name, through faith in his name, did, did you, are you reading? Let, let's read it. He said, And his name, through faith in his name has made this man strong. So it had nothing to do with the power, the anointing on the life of Peter or Paul or uh, which, which was the guy against John. It had nothing to do with the apostles. It had nothing to do with them. The supernatural has nothing to do with what you can do. Let's get it. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with Jesus. It has to do with faith in Jesus. So the power of God is constant. It's powerful. You know, God cannot increase the power on the inside of you. So those prayer points, Lord, increase your power upon my life. They are not correct. You are the one. You and I are the one who needs to improve or increase in our level of faith in the name of Jesus and the power of God given to us and at work on the inside of us. The responsibility is from our side, not from God's side. So stop manipulating and oppressing people and pushing them, putting them through unnecessary suffering of unnecessary fasting so that God can give them more power, more anointing. It is not right. It is spiritual abuse. New definition of spiritual abuse. So to lead a church to pray for 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 days for God to give them power or give them more anointing to deal with the situations in their life is spiritual abuse. Unnecessary suffering and hunger strike. Unnecessary. Because what you are telling them to fast and pray for God has already given to them. You should be leading them to fast, to pray, to study the word of God so that they can be more aware of the power of God that has, that has already been given to them and teach them how to use it and not to go and cause trouble in public and embarrassment. Amen. Some people are repenting today. Praise the Lord. So as a shutdown, and his name, true faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, who? Jesus has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. How to walk in the supernatural? Preaching the gospel. If you look at those references, especially this particular one, Acts chapter 3, the gospel, there's so much in the gospel. In future, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach a series on what the gospel is. 
The fact that somebody called Jesus or they call Jesus in the church doesn't mean they are preaching the gospel. Amen. Speaking the gospel. Now I'm tempted to start a gospel to start a series next week on the gospel. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, then we talk about the gospel. But I can leave that with me and the Holy Ghost. We'll talk about it. So preaching the gospel, speaking the gospel, believing the gospel. Just read this Acts chapter 3 again. Believing the gospel, believing what Jesus has done, because the gospel is all about what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. To deliver you from the power of sin and to restore you into perfect union with him. To give you the gift of eternal life so that you can be you can be a child of God and be in a relationship with God from right here on earth and for eternity. Amen. Praying in line with the gospel, like I said, don't go and pray that God come and give us power. It is wrong. Now show me that prayer in the Bible that God come and give us greater power, greater power than we have ever. <laughs> and then finally, walking in the consciousness of the gospel. Walking in the consciousness of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Walking in the consciousness of your identity in Christ Jesus. All right, guys, thank you for your time this morning. We had to go over time a little bit because I needed to finish this uh, because I didn't have that much left to take into the following week but i know i've shared a lot of stuff with us there and i was even so fired up i'm actually going to read watch this message and listen to it over and over to be so to be edified as well and i hope he's he's been a blessing to you i know there's a lot of questions that are sparked up in people's mind and i can i will know my phone will soon start buzzing the pastor you said the pastor you said that but don't forget my objective in this past three weeks is to bring is to bring the supernatural to you in our consciousness to um, to steer us to start thinking about working the supernatural to help us understand uh, our position to see where we are as believers and where we should be working so it's just a starting point of the journey we've not even really started scratch scratching the surface because from here we now gonna start looking at things that will help us to work in the supernatural but we needed to help us to see where we are that we, we are most of the time working as natural human beings and we're not natural human beings Amen. And the supernatural in the supernatural realm is not just the power of God existing there. There are also unclean spirits existing there. And human beings yield to this unclean spirit to manipulate you, to oppress you, to attack you. So we got to be careful, you know, how we deal with people, right? And how, what the kind of things we do as well. Amen.